you're listening to the Wobcast with the one and only, the legendary, the insurmountable Wobby. Hey everybody, welcome in. It's another edition of the Wobcast, and I am your host, Wobby, coming to you from the TCO Performance Center and TCO Studios in Egan, joined as always by co-host and producer. Chris Corso, what up, dude? What's going on? How are we doing, Wabi? I know um, you, you just good. got back from a little L.A. weather. Yeah, we. Uh, it's been an active couple of weeks. That's right for uh, for yours truly and for uh, the producer and co-host. Uh, we were out in uh, L.A. and by we, I mean not Chris, uh, <laughs> me with a few other people from the That's right. from the Ven. We were out in L.A. getting with the folks at NFL Network, which was a very productive trip for us. And those of you who have been on the website of late um, know that. Those of you who haven't, we're going catch you up with some of the stuff that we got out in Los Angeles. Chris has put together some sound. We're going to get to that here um, in the Wobcast coming up in a couple of minutes. Um, But we we also had the Final Four in town. That's right. Here in Minneapolis. U.S. Bank Stadium is um, very quickly becoming known as a big-time venue in America, Uh, having now hosted a Super Bowl, having hosted some international soccer games, some of the biggest names in music have come to the stadium, including right. Garth Brooks and Taylor Swift, yep. uh, Coldplay, and uh, and many others, but those just to name a few big ones. And now the Final Four. Final Four is in the books. Chris, you went to the semifinal games and the final. That is I was, right. I was at the final on Monday night, and um, I guess probably to no one's surprise, listening who knows me, I thought it was a great experience, and I'm positive on U.S. Bank Stadium as a big-time venue. But you're an outsider, technically. You're you're one of us now, but you've you've come to us from the East Coast. You've been to venues yourself outside of Minnesota. How do you think U.S. Bank Stadium has been performing as a big-time venue? I mean, it's unbelievable. I I would say it is the best building in all of sports. I mean, the 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 Final Four was spectacular. Obviously, I would have loved to see Zion playing the game yeah. and Duke, but man, it was awesome. We had close games throughout. I couldn't believe the Auburn Virginia game on Saturday. That was an unbelievable finish. With mm-hmm. I mean, Kyle Guy makes three free throws, Clutch. knocks freaking yeah. ice in his veins, man, mm-hmm. just drilling them. That was awesome. And then, man, I really thought Texas Tech was going to get away with that game uh, mm-hmm. last night. And they uh, just at the end there, Virginia comes back. And it really was amazing to see Virginia. They were down by two or more points in the last, like, three games yeah, of this tournament with, like, ten seconds left. And they found a way to win all three games. And also, by the way, they were Unreal. down They were down in the first round to Gardner-Webb by double digits, including yep. at halftime, a 16 seed, which they lost to a 16 seed last year as a one seed. Redemption. First time it had ever happened. Right. So pretty good story by uh, – by Virginia, valiant effort by Texas Tech, A-plus performance by U.S. Bank Stadium. Final Four is in the books. Will not surprise me if Minneapolis is awarded more Final Fours down the road. I hope it comes here every year because I enjoyed it. (laughs) Yeah, so did I. Um, All right, so we have more to get to here in the Wobcast. We'll tell you what's coming up for the Vikings next week because something big is happening. No, it's not the NFL draft. That's coming up in a few weeks, but something big is happening next week here at TCO Performance Center. We'll get to that later. We'll get to fan mail later as well. But as we said, VEN invaded NFL Network last week, and we had a good time. And we got a lot of work done, don't you think? I think you did. Yeah. I mean, I was I we were posting all these clips back home, and 
Obviously, we were at the owners' meetings in Arizona. That was on the last Wobcast the week before. You think we got enough experts there, and yeah. then you guys go over to NFL Network and just churn out um, as many experts as you could yeah. there. What did you learn from from some of these guys? Before we go over all the clips, maybe not specifics, but like what 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 did you take out of this trip? You know, talking to those guys, and obviously we're there visiting them, and so they're not gonna talk smack about us when we're when we're there visiting them. Yep. Like they're not gonna say bad stuff about our team. But sometimes you can read between the lines when you're talking to them in previous years that we've gone there when we haven't had a very good team. Because this isn't the first year we've done this. We've done this every year now for a few years. You know, and so sometimes you you can kind of sense people talking between the lines, things they don't like about the team and being skeptical about the season. And yep. you know, we're coming off a you know, a season that was probably below expectations for people inside the building, right? Disappointing. Yeah, disappointment. So, um, you know, I was sort of bracing for that. Like, I'm going to try and steer these people into some positivity. But, man, were, were people very bullish on the Vikings at NFL Network. I love it. Very. I mean, and, you know, they would talk about the O-line and Kirk Cousins in his second year, but every other part of the team they loved. They loved some of the free agent signings. Um, they love our what our options are going to be in the draft. They love the way Spielman drafts. They love Zimmer. They love the defense. They thought Barr re-signing here was great, not just for the X's and O's, but probably said a lot about the culture. Um, so there was just a lot of positivity about the Vikings, and um, so that was good to hear. And you're going to hear some of that in, in the sound that, that Chris has put together. We're going to start, though, um, speaking of positivity – we're going to start with a very positive memory. This guy was jacked up. Yeah, we're going to start <laughs> with Scott Hansen. So some of you listening hear Scott Hansen and know immediately what we're going to have you listen to. But for those who didn't hear this the first time or forgot about it, Scott Hansen was doing, well, he's going to explain what he was doing. He was doing a live show during the Minneapolis Miracle, and his reaction to it was epic and you can probably relate to it, Vikings fan. Scott Hansen was channeling his inner Vikings fan when he reacted to the Minnesota miracle, to the uh, Minneapolis miracle, and we have it right here. Reminds me, do you remember what happened in our last home playoff game? Nope. Where where were you when that happened? Well, I think all of the fans by now (laughs) have seen it because my phone blew up. Yes. And it, they blew up because you guys, and I'm looking at your staff out here mm-hmm. uh, behind the cameras here, put my reaction from, I was in London, England. Oh, okay. It's in the middle of the night when, when the, the evening playoff games in the United States are going on. I had flown over there. The NFL asked me to do something for NFL UK. Okay. So I was in London, England. It's I don't even know what time it was, 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning or whatever. Yeah. We're getting there. We're, we're all kind of tired from having watched the games. And it's the middle of the night. My body clock had adjusted for being over in the in the U.K. for a little while. And I'm just like, let's just see him get into field goal range. <laughs> I had no hopes whatsoever. And then after the first two plays of that series, first play or two, yeah, you probably I'm like, almost give up. They're, not, they're, they're not even going to get over the 50, let alone get a legitimate shot at a field goal, which I thought was best-case scenario. The ball goes in the air. The ball, it, I'm like, he can catch that. And this is like milliseconds going through my mind. He could catch that. He could catch it. He's going to get tackled in bounds. They don't have any timeouts. Get out of bounds. Wait, the last guy just went by him. And I lose my mind. And I'm guessing you're going to cut that video in right, right about now. Come on. Get out. Oh! 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 That was my reaction, ladies and gentlemen, and it was legitimate. So 
my phone blows up. The Minnesota Vikings, you know, put it on their social media feed with all the reactions from all the people running around, jumping in their swimming pools in, in the middle yeah. of January. When, and, and then I hear from fans, we never knew you were a Vikings fan. Oh, Minnesota's your favorite team. Yeah. All the red zone viewers. Right? Yeah. I'm like, you guys, Minnesota's not my favorite team. I love great football. I root for drama. I root, I root for excellence. And I root for, let me see something we've never seen before. And I don't know if you have the whole clip of that. Oh, we do. I don't believe it! After I pop my glasses off, yeah. and, and I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, was that the greatest fi- finish in divisional playoffs history? I'm like running through the encyclopedia of my mind saying, like, can we ever remember something like that at the end of that round that, that, that had happened? And man, it was something. Yeah, it was something, and that's um, that's a pretty good explanation by Scott Hansen. Now, for anyone who watches NFL Red Zone Channel, you know the energy that Scott Hansen brings, and um, and for those of you who don't watch it, you now have heard it. And I think people are mad at us right now, listening, Chris, uh, because they probably had the volume fairly high, uh, and now they're you know <laughs> there's only so much you could do about know, Scott Hansen screaming. Their eardrums are now popped, so hope, hopefully people are still listening. Hopefully people can still listen. Uh, to the rest of, of the Wobcast. But that, that conversation with Scott was a lot of fun. We've got more sound from NFL Network coming up. So um, for those of you who haven't caught all that stuff yet, when you're done listening to the Wobcast, stick with the Vikings app or vikings.com and go watch all those interviews we had at NFL Network. We, we even had a couple of guys do pick sixes for us. Um, to give me a little break from answering some fan questions and go. let some experts do it. There you we go. had Lance Zerline and Maurice Jones-Drew. You're an expert. Uh, well, I try, <laughs> I try to be, but the, we had those guys do it this week. They, um, and I, I was still uh, a part of it, but those guys answered the questions, so that was a lot of fun. So uh, we got a lot of stuff from NFL Network, and uh, we want you to go check out all of it and not just hear some of the highlights here on the Wobcast. But the rest of the stuff that we're going to listen to from NFL Network is about the draft which is coming up in a few weeks. Of course, Vikings Entertainment Network will be on hand at the draft this year in Nashville. Yours truly will be going along with a few others uh, from the department. Uh, But we're going to talk a a little uh, draft preview here and share some sound with you. Now, the Vikings have essentially a full contingent of picks. Uh, They don't have a pick in the fifth round, but they have two in the sixth and two in the seventh. And right now they have three picks in the top 81, including pick number 18 in the first round, the 50th overall pick, which is in the second round, and the 81st overall pick, which is in the third round. Won't be surprising to see the Vikings move around a little bit yep. in this draft, you know, maybe even in the first few rounds. And uh, we get into that and uh, and a little bit more with some of the experts from NFL Network. But we're going to start out with NFL Network's Bucky Brooks. And the discussion that we had with Bucky was sort of wide-ranging, but one of the things we really kind of honed in on was the philosophy of best player available, the merits of that, uh, the realities of that, and Bucky Brooks had some opinions. Now, you never have to apologize for taking a really good player. Like, you can never go wrong building your team by taking the best player available. And a lot of people talk about the BPA theory, but if you take a bunch of really good players, then what it does, it gives you an opportunity, if you have a surplus at one, to trade that away to get what you really need. And so when you start reaching and taking positions of need and the players aren't worthy of it, then you're disappointed, then you have to go back in another year and draft the same position because you overreached on a player. I thought that was interesting just because like, everyone's like, offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. Yeah. But Bucky, on the other hand, he didn't think that. He, didn't, he doesn't think the Vikings should go offensive line. You'll well, find he, that out. But yeah, yeah. I thought that was cool. That was 
I mean, everyone has the same opinion, but that's not always the correct one. Right. That's right. And and Bucky's been in it. I mean, Bucky and Daniel Jeremiah have been in these draft preparation meetings, and they've been in war rooms on draft day. So it's it's interesting perspective. Um, and you know, and that that's what's fun going and talking to those guys because you know everyone hears and sees what they say on camera, but those conversations we have off camera leading up to it, you know, where we discuss, and it's just kind of fun to get some of their viewpoints and opinions on it. Um, this next one is with a former NFL player, in fact, a former member of the NFC North division or NFC Central division, Chicago Bears wide receiver uh, Curtis Conway and Bucky Brooks sort of do a mock draft, and Bucky backs up his talk um, about not having to take an offensive lineman and is talking about a defender named Dexter Lawrence. Curtis Conway goes offense for the Vikings. Take a listen. The Minnesota Vikings were supposed to be Super Bowl contenders, but they fell short of their goal. Didn't even make the playoffs. Part of the reason why they didn't make the playoffs, to me, it stems from their defense. We talk about defense winning championships. So if I want to get them back on track where they can max their potential, I'm going to fix their defense. I'm going to go right in the first round, and I'm going to get them a defensive tackle, Dexter Lawrence from Clemson, because they need to be able to stop the run consistently. I like Linville Joseph. He is a guy that can certainly occupy blockers, create double teams, but Dexter Lawrence is another guy. And I know at Clemson he played nose tackle, but I believe he's athletic enough to maybe play some three technique. If he plays three technique, now you can occupy those blockers and allow Eric Kendricks and some of their linebackers to run and chase. I know you may not want to spend the first round pick on the defense because you're an offensive guy, so maybe in the second round you find someone on defense that can help them. Yeah, but I do believe, Buck, they do need to address that defensive front, but I'm going to go with a more athletic guy in the second round, and that's Draymond Jones out of Ohio State. You talked about Joseph being able to up two blockers. Well, he would do just that. And Jones being more athletic, a little speedy, three technique probably is his best suited position. Can hit those holes, hit those gaps with speed, get after the quarterback, and also get in there to stop the run. I like his versatility also in the middle. Again, athletic. I like him as my deep tackle. So now look. Fix the defense. We have to take care of the offense. We got the $84 million man at Kirk Cousins. Like the skill guys. I don't know if you can find a better set of skill guys, but right up front, is where they have problems. I'm going to let you go in the first round. How do we fix this front line? Look, they can't get it done without these guys up front. And I'm going to start at offensive tackle, and I'm going to go with my man, Cody Ford, out of Oklahoma. The thing I love about Cody Buck is he's versatile. A little played a little guard in his first couple years at Oklahoma, moved to right tackle, and was dominant at right tackle. So the versatility is what I love more than anything. You can move them all around, and they do want to run the football. Although they pass the ball a lot to Minnesota, they want to run. So I love that versatility that they can move them inside and outside. I like Cody as my first round pick. It's funny that you talked about the run game. Gary Kubiak comes over and is going to help Kevin Stefanski run this offense. And so I'm going to go and get him a tackle. How about Caleb McGeary and the, from Washington? And the reason I like him, because he's a little more physical, he's a little more nasty, he's going to give them that blue-color mentality that they need to have. At the end of the day, the Minnesota Vikings are a team that needs to be a little more blue-collar. When you think about the teams that can win in the NFC North, you got to be able to control the ball, you got to be able to run it when you want to run it, and allow that offense to complement the defense. If the Minnesota Vikings can find a solid offensive tackle to really solidify their offensive line, I think they're back to being in business in the NFC North. Ooh, Mike Zimmer's going to like that discussion. He likes blue collar. He wants guys in the trenches, man. <laughs> he wants O-line and D-line. That's what he wants. So Mike Zimmer's going to like hearing that. Um, and, 
he's also going to like hearing from Daniel Jeremiah, who we're going to get to in a little bit. But before we do that, we're going to hear from a former NFL GM, Charlie Casserly, who helped build teams in Washington and Houston, among other places. He sort of went over a blueprint for the Vikings to address the offensive line. Your thoughts on this clip, Chris, before you play it? Yeah, I think this clip is perfect to play right after that one. Obviously, we heard Bucky Brooks go defense first and then offense with the second-round pick, and we heard Conway go offense and then defense with trenches. But then, um, obviously, Conway goes with Cody Ford out of Oklahoma, who is obviously such a great player there. He's able to play tackle, able to play guard. He gives them versatility um, to be able to move maybe Riley Reef, last year's left tackle, into guard and maybe – put a player like Brian O'Neill, who was a rookie last year at right tackle, over to left tackle. So um, Casserly kind of talks about what the Vikings can do with this number 18 pick at offensive line and how they can adjust the offensive line to kind of create a starting group there that's going to be three spots, four spots different than it was last season. All right, let's take a listen. What is the, the impact of Kirk Cousins right now, Charlie? Well, I think, first of all, Cousins, the offensive line, you got to get that better there. Now, Brian O'Neill, the right tackle, is the key because he can play left tackle, and I like this guy a lot. So the first round, I'd get an offensive tackle. If you get Cody Ford of Oklahoma, he's a right tackle. You move O'Neill to left tackle, you move Reef into guard. You're better at three positions right there. If you end up taking Greg Little at left tackle, then Reef goes inside, and you're still better at least two positions, and you're better at right tackle because O'Neill is better than what you had there before. Second round, I take Mike Dieter from Wisconsin. Now we got an offensive line. <laughs> Kubiak, he makes Cousins better. Why? You always have a good running game with Kubiak. Now, Stefanski's the coordinator, but Kubiak will have an effect on that building. The other thing Gary does a great job is he builds the passing game off the running game. It's very coordinated. Cousins has been in this offense. He's got a better offensive line. He's got Kubiak with the play action. Hey, we just solved their problem. Offense is going to be good now. <laughs> I, I love, I love his voice. <laughs> Me too. I love that. And, and Charlie obviously has thought about this, and he's got a plan. And that, that plan is a realistic plan. And this is sort of you, you're, you're in Vikings Nation. You've wanted a better offensive line for so many years. You're coming off a season that fell short of expectations. It's easy to get down and negative right now. But that's what I'm saying. What I learned at NFL Network talking to these people is they're like, you just you get, you add this guy here at number 18 and make this change and Gary Kubiak and you're good. You're good. You and got you a great got defense. offense now. Yeah, and so um, so that, that, that was pretty cool. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah has been one of our favorites for a long time. He has ascended to the sort of lead draft analyst role at NFL Network with Mike Mayock moving on to be GM of the Vikings. So Daniel Jeremiah is— Of the Raiders. Or sorry, of the Raiders. Uh, Rick Spielman's still a GM of the Vikings. Yeah, he might he yeah. might come in here and knock the door down. Right, that's right. Yeah, we, we want Rick to be GM of the Vikings, <laughs> and we want Mayock to be GM of the Raiders. That's, that's right. how it's going to be. Um, and so now DJ is sort of— in in the number one chair at NFL Network, but DJ um, has been a friend of the program for a long time, so we had a lot of fun with him at NFL Network. He did a three-round mock draft for us. He did a regular interview for us, so lots of Daniel Jeremiah up on the website right now, but we're going to let you listen to his three-round mock that he did just for Vikings Nation right here. So your Vikings-centric three-round mock draft. What All looks right. good for us? Let's, uh, let's go trenches is what okay. we're thinking here. So first round... We'll go Cody Ford from Oklahoma. All right. Cody could play right tackle, but I think he's got his best opportunity to slide inside and play guard. I think he'd be outstanding there, can really move people in the run game. It's somebody that's going to really firm up the interior for the pass protection there to get Kirk Cousins rolling again. So uh, that would be in the first round. Now, 
We go to the second round. The only thing better than one interior offensive lineman. Two? Would be two. Okay. So, so let's, go, let's go grab uh, McCoy out of Texas A&M, who's one of the, another one who can cross-train, play center, can play guard. Um, I love what he brings in terms of the physicality mm-hmm. uh, to, to that front. So we get him in the second round. Then third round, we can flip it over to the defense. Um, let's go defensive tackle. We lose Sheldon Richardson. Let's get somebody that has some quickness that can get upfield and make some plays. Uh, let's go Colin Saunders from Western yeah. Illinois. If you watch the Senior Bowl coverage, got introduced to him a little bit. Uh, he's, he had a, a child born during the Senior Bowl week, went, saw the child, came back, uh, was dominant during practices, finished up doing backflips after one practice at over 300 pounds, which yep. is, is a sight to see, and so. then was outstanding in the game. So he's somebody I think his stock continues to rise. Head coach Mike Zimmer wanted to get tougher in the trenches this offseason. I think you helped him do that. There we go, three for three. When the head coach is happy with you, that's a good thing. <laughs> Trenches. That's all we're hearing. Yeah, and uh, and Vikings fans like that. And when I explained that to, I can't remember who I was talking to there. It might have been Daniel Jeremiah or or maybe Rhett Lewis, who we're going to hear from next. But you know, we were talking about just like, ah, oh, yeah, offensive defensive linemen, not you know, not sexy picks. Fans don't always love it. I'm just like, yeah, yeah, they do. In Minnesota, they do. They do this yeah. year. <laughs> Minnesotans like you know, offensive and defensive linemen and being tough in the trenches and blue collar and that's sort of what people are predicting the Vikings will do. Now, if the Vikings don't do that, if the Vikings were to maybe do a little bit of a of a surprise move in the first round, I think a logical guess would be a position group that our next piece of sound is going to talk about. That is Rhett Lewis. Rhett Lewis, who is a host of Path to the Draft on NFL Network. He's talking draft every single day with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks, so we thought we'd bring him into the studio that NFL Network let us use and have him talk about this incoming class of tight ends and a few other topics. You can't go wrong adding another athletic guy like a TJ Hawkinson or Irv Smith from Alabama, right? Right. No, exactly. And, and you know, being a first-round pick is kind of the family business for Irv Smith. Um, my dad was working for the Saints, and I was growing up in New Orleans when his his dad, Irv Smith Sr., was the 20th overall pick of the Saints out of Notre Dame back yeah. in 1993. Uh, Irv's a really intriguing guy as well. Um, and, and I think that the tight end class has some really elite prospects. We can talk about TJ's teammate at Iowa and Noah Fant yeah. uh, is there as well. So there's some really high-end tight ends, which we haven't seen in a little while. Um, but the real cream of the crop and the cream of the class this year is the defensive line yeah. group, the edge group, the interior group. I mean, I, I think uh, our buddy DJ mentioned during our combine broadcast that uh, if you mandated that Every team had to take a defensive line prospect or a front seven defensive prospect in the first round. The Patriots at 32 would be happy with who they got. Wow. You know that what I mean? Like, that's depth. how deep it yeah. is, right? Yeah. So that, that, those guys are, are a lot of fun. And- that was awesome. Yeah, he he really uh, he as long as a ton of the experts really feel the same way about the defensive ends and defensive tackles in this draft. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there were like records set by players like Mont- Montez Sweat, who's a D tackle and ran like a four four on the, in the, at the combine, which was unbelievable for a guy of his size. So yep. Um, there, there are some athletes in this class on the defensive side of the ball as well. Yep, that's for sure. And uh, it won't surprise me if the Vikings get one at 18. It also won't surprise me if they take an offensive lineman. Yep. And, I mean, you can never have enough good corners. So that wouldn't surprise me. So, I mean, there's you know, and there's three really good tight ends that most teams will probably have you know, a first-round grade on. That wouldn't surprise me. So, you know, and a trade back wouldn't surprise me either. And trading back is a topic we brought up with 
Lance Zerline, who also joined us in Los Angeles out at NFL Network. And with Lance, we got into a few different topics, including trading back, including the offensive line. Um, he also answered pick six questions for us. So if you like what you hear from Lance Zerline right here in this short bit of sound that Chris has cut up, make sure you go to the website and watch Lance Zerline answer fan questions in this week's pick six which is going to be up on the site here early in the week. But here's Lance Zerline joining us to talk NFL Draft. Well, there's a lot of contingencies that fall in place. And it really, I do think that from an offensive line standpoint, that could be a spot where you have someone fall to you, maybe even a Jonah Williams. who would That would be an interesting dilemma there for, for Minnesota if you have Jonah Williams because I think he can play um, tackle, guard, or center. What his best position is, I mean, that's to be determined. But I do think that a guard will, a guard or a tackle could definitely show up in, in that sweet spot. And I think Noah Fant, there's an outside shot that Noah Fant, the, the tight end from Iowa who worked out so well, such a great athlete, he could be there as well at number 18. What if, um, you know, a lot of times the top center in the class is mm -hmm. a mid or late first round guy. How about that? Yeah, so Garrett Bradbury, so Pat Elfline has had experience playing center and guard. Um, for me, Garrett Bradbury is just a center, so then you'd have to have Elfline, you'd have to be confident that you could move him back to guard and he could play where he played in college there his junior season. So that would, that would make a little sense. Or if they wanted to go Eric McCoy and surprise some people with Eric McCoy, another talented player who is a center and might have some guard uh, potential as well from Texas A&M, that could be a guy that would be a surprise selection as well, whether they're at 18 or, you know, in a trade-back scenario. You're, you're hearing a lot of the same names here. Even McCoy, like a second-tier kind of guy, has been mentioned multiple times. Cody Ford mentioned multiple times. Jonah Williams mentioned multiple times. So you, you're starting to hear these names, and these are all from the people who – Lance Zerline, I mean, he's the guy who writes up every single combine page for, like, yeah. every guy since, like, the 90s, I feel like. So, um, yeah, some of these guys really know what they're talking about. So keep, it, keep an eye on these. And, names. and what's also going to be interesting is we're hearing a lot of the same four or five names right now. Can you know, it can go somewhere totally different. Let's see if that's what happens the week before the draft. You know, because these guys get information from people. They hear whispers. Like they don't just change their they don't go with one thing for six weeks and then change their opinion four days in front of the draft out of a whim. Yep. They do it because they get information. You know, so pay attention to that. Uh, it'll be fun to sort of track. And that's why you guys do mock madness. Right? Of course. I mean, that's, you know, that's a good thing to kind of you follow you fans along. eat it up. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone loves mock madness. They love tracking who's, who's being mocked to us and why. And uh, speaking of that, uh, we're going to go over one of the latest and most respected mock drafts out there on the internet, and that is Todd McShay's at ESPN. What's he got? Yeah, we're doing a pretty good job of highlighting the first three draft picks that the Vikings have, number 18, number 50, and number 81. Todd McShay today did a three-round mock draft for every single team in the league. Obviously, you're Minnesota Vikings. Number one, round one at number 18, he has Jonah Williams of Alabama. Offensive tackle, offensive guard. Number two, he has Gerald Willis III, a defensive tackle out of Miami. We've talked about trenches going offense and then defense. And then number three, round three at pick number 81, David Montgomery, a running back out of Iowa State. I'm sure a lot of you fans around here are familiar with him. So, I mean, he's going with a playmaker in the third round and doing the trenches in the first and second. I think that's what a lot of people would assume. 
Um, Todd McShay did a good job with this one. He says, free agent Josh Klein helps the Vikings offensive line, but Williams is the best player on the board at number 18, and he'd further improve a line that has struggled the past two years. Willis, on the other hand, is a fierce interior uh, presence on the other side of the ball and could fill Sheldon Richardson's spot. Montgomery would serve as a third down back with some burst and route running ability to spell Dalvin Cook. That would be a bit of a, I don't know, log jam is the right word or not, but a, a running back in the third round, I mean, you'd have Dalvin Cook, who's your guy. Yep. You re-signed Amir Abdullah, so you've obviously got some plans for him. Everyone loved how Mike Boone looked last year, and then you'd have a third-round pick in the mix. You know, when, when the Vikings had Dalvin Cook, Latavius Murray, and Jarek McKinnon, that that was in CJ Ham. It's pretty that, good. That's a great four guys to have in your running back room. Yep. Now they'd have CJ Ham, Dalvin Cook, Mike Boone, Amir Abdullah, and maybe a third-round pick in Todd McShay's scenario. Your running back room would be stacked once again. That would be super interesting. And uh, a running back from Iowa State is a provincial pick. A lot of people uh, around this area probably watch David Montgomery in college where he starred at Iowa State. Yep. We for how could we forget to answer three fan mail questions? Oh yeah, well we'd never forget that. How could you forget Sorry. that? Yeah, that's right. You didn't forget. <laughs> I, of course thankfully. not. All right. All right. First one from Darren Boomgarden, Highlands Ranch, Colorado. Mm-hmm. With Zimmer's apparent escalated attention to the offense, is this just window dressing or is the attention to the entire squad reality? I like the Kubiak move to assist with the offense, but pretty imperative in my estimation that the head coach is showing adequate and increased attention to all groups moving forward in order to achieve all of the goals we Vikings lifers are holding our breath for. Yeah, I I know that Zim's a defensive guy and he loves um, adding to the defense whenever he can. Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks and Trey Waynes and Mike Hughes and the list goes on of early round draft picks that have gone to the defense. But let's let's not pretend like the Vikings haven't. Um, added to the offense over the years either. Pat Alfline in the third round. Dalvin Cook, a running back taken in the second round. They used a first-round pick to trade for Sam Bradford. They yep. got the pick right on Teddy Bridgewater, but he got hurt. They spent $84 million on Kirk Cousins, right? That's I mean, right. Reef and Remmers in free agency and another offensive lineman this year in free agency. So, I mean, this is not an organization that's just been lopsided to the defense when it comes to using resources. They're trying to get things done on offense just as as well as they're trying to get it done on defense. So I'm not concerned about that, and I'm very interested to see how the first 100 picks of this draft shake out and how many of those picks the Vikings have. Yeah. Because right now it's three in the top 81. Could be more. And it could be more than that. It could be three. I don't know. We'll see. Um, But I I do think the offense will be addressed in this draft, and I think fans are going to like what they see. Coach Zimmer has not missed an offensive meeting all offseason. We know that because he said it at the owners' meetings that he's been there listening and hearing what Kubiak has to say, hearing what Stefanski has to say, and pretty much bringing it all together from a defensive side of the uh, from he know he knows it from a defensive side of the ball so he can tell the offensive staff what works and what doesn't so mm-hmm. he's been in all those meetings as he relayed to us at yeah. that owners meeting so that was that was cool to hear yeah all right question number two. Second one ryan bailey from to- tustin tustin missouri tustin Tustin. Tustin, Let's go Tustin. Super excited to get emails from folks <laughs> correcting me. I'm, I'm serious. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to let us know which one it is. We're going with Tustin. Since it's hard to find a dance partner to trade back in the draft, would it be wise to take your guy, someone like a Dalton Reisner at 18, and hope he falls to us in the second round? 
To me, this guy has a first round grade, but maybe not at 18. Okay. So what? What is? What's his name? Email? Dalton. No, no, emailer. Uh, Ryan Bailey. So what Ryan is getting at here is you're on the clock at number 18, and you don't, or wherever you are in the draft, and there's not someone on the board with a grade requisite, requisite of being taken that high. Yep. So then, and you can't trade back because no one will trade with you, so what do you do? And I think this happens to teams during the draft, um, particularly in the middle or late stages of the first round maybe, because there are 32 picks in the first round, of course, right? 32 teams. So there are 32 picks in the first round. But I don't think every team has 32 players with a first-round grade. Right? Yep. So what do you do if you're in the first round on the clock and no one's on the board with a first-round grade and you can't trade back? What do you do? You're obviously going to take a player before you would have liked to have taken them. So I think in that scenario, what you do then is you really prioritize your need. Yep. You know, and we always say you don't, you don't draft for need. You take the best player that's available. But I think if you're on the clock and there's no one on your board requisite of being taken where you are, that's where you can really take a look at need. The other thing you could take a look at is depth, not on your roster, but depth on the board at those positions. So maybe you've got this tight end rated a little bit higher than this safety, but the depth at safety is horrendous, and you know that you're not getting a safety at your next two, three, or four picks because there's just no one's going to be there. So now you might you might like elevate sa- yep. safety a little yep. bit over tight end. So I think that's how you would handle that situation. Yeah, it's hard to like blend the best player available with the the position that you need when you don't think you don't think that the player on the board at that position fits right. number 18 so that that is a tough decision to make and obviously all these guys all these gms have to balance that. and it's it's i mean it's a big puzzle because you you put these grades on these players and then the players that have the same grades then you order them you yep. prioritize the clusters yep. you know and then the draft starts you know and you get to you're on the clock and you're just like okay we all the decisions have already been made we've graded all the players we've We've prioritized the clusters, and let's do it. But the thing, the variable is, yeah, but there was a huge run on offensive tackles right before us. So if we don't get this offensive tackle, which we don't have graded high enough to take here, yep. we're not going to get any offensive tackles in the top 100, and now we're stuck. So that, that's where you might sort of on the fly change your, your strategy and, and maybe take a player where you didn't think you were going to take him. So Makes sense. It's a big puzzle that you got to put together, and a lot of those decisions got to be made in like you know 10 minutes when you're on the clock. Plus, you're fielding calls and making calls to try and trade. Trader Rick. Yeah. I mean, that's why <laughs> smart guys like Rick Robb and George Payton and Ryan Munnins and Studwell, they do all the all that work and, you know, dummies like you and me just sit here on the microphone and talk about it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> the last one from Dennis Nolte from Moorhead, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. He's got a prediction for you, Wobby. Oh, goody. With the ability to now challenge pass interference plays, mm-hmm. teams are going to use that challenge in their game planning and maybe even save their challenges to use that for that penalty. 56, like 50, 60 yard penalties. Games are going to be won and lost as a result. It's going to happen. Mark my words on that. Coach Zimmer said this and made jokes about it at. The owners' meetings. We played that sound for the last edition of the Wopcast, but let's hear your thoughts on it. Well, I'm reminded of of uh, you know a funny quip that Pete Bursich always has. You know, he says he always says Green Bay Packers' favorite plays is defensive pass interference. Yeah, like yeah. just throw the ball down the field. Refs love Aaron Rodgers. They're yep. gonna throw the flag. Pi. You know, but here's I get what Dennis is saying. I mean, pass interference is really 
the only call, the only penalty that can be a 40, 30, 40, 50 yard penalty, right? Yep. All the other penalties are 5, 10, or 15 yards. PI can be, you know, defensive PI can be, even offensive PI can be a 50, 60 yard penalty because if it's offensive PI and you caught it for a 60 yard gain, that gets taken away. Well, that's yep. a 60 yard penalty. Well, so, t- but what about holding? Offensive holding. Like if a guy freaking runs for a fifty-yard touchdown, I know, but it's marked like, up. Yeah, why I know. can't that be reviewed? If this is reviewed, well, maybe it will be. Yeah. Maybe it will be. But I, I get it's what crazy. Dennis. But but here here's the one the fly in the ointment of Dennis's opinion is games being decided on these plays. I don't know, maybe maybe not. But like remember in the last in the last two minutes of the game. It's a booth review. Either way. It's a booth review. So yep. you can't save your challenge for the last two minutes of the game because you can't challenge in the last two minutes. You have to challenge before the two-minute warning. So, and, here, and the other thing, too, is I think the booth, the league, the officials are going to be very, very judicious in when they decide to do this. You know, I mean, because you can't just start – you know, defensive pass interference is not called on a play, and the booth looks at it, and you and you over, you know, you call the the flag when it wasn't called. Like you just you can't get into a bunch of that. I think it's going to be pretty rare when that happens. If anything, I think this was sort of a a way to show fans, hey, we saw the problem in the NFC title game. It was, a, you know, it was an issue for us, and we have corrected that issue. That will not happen again. Yep. An egregious mistake. That for all intents and purposes decided a game is not going to happen again. That's what the league did. They took away that that you know problem. Yep. More than I think they've come up with a way that's going to um, significantly affect most games. I don't think this is going to significantly affect most games. I think you might be a fan of a team and you're going to see it zero or one times. Like remember the crown of the helmet rule? Yes. Like that got called a million times in the preseason, and everyone's like, "Oh, ruining the game! Can't watch the game." They emphasized it in the preseason. It, that got called that zero it. times. Yeah, that was that's kind of what I think this is going to be. Yep. It's just a safeguard against that Rams Saints debacle. That's Sh- all. That's what Sean this is. Payton was pretty angry. Yeah, <laughs> he should have been. But yeah. I think wasn't there a regular season game Steelers Saints where the the Saints were the beneficiary of a missed. Yes. Pass interference call, yes, I believe or, so. or that... of a bad pass interference call that shouldn't have been called, and the Saints were the beneficiaries of it, and they won the game. So I mean, this, that thing cuts both, goes ways. both ways. And I think what the league came up with is a really good solution because it it gets rid of the possibility of a debacle like that happening again. So that's yep. good. All right, that's it for fan mail. Um, all right, last thing before we go, we want to let you know that the Vikings offseason program begins next week. So you will see an uptick in content from around here at the TCO Performance Center. You'll see guys coming in to start the voluntary offseason workout program next week. We're looking forward to bringing some of that content to you. Maybe we can run a few guys down and, um, and, uh, and catch up with some of them uh, who we've been missing. And, um, of course, we'll be back next week with another edition of the Wobcast to get you caught up on all of that stuff and, and to con- schedule a release and to continue to preview the NFL draft and that's right the schedule release is also coming up. Oh, we should go over by the way, the Vikings preseason schedule came out. Oh, that's right. So the Vikings are going to and the dates, the exact dates for these games haven't been released, but the order in which you'll play them and where you're going to play them that was released. The Vikings are going to open up the preseason by traveling to New Orleans to play the Saints. Um which is um a place the Vikings haven't gone in the preseason in a long time. 
Um, and the last couple of matchups against the Saints have been here at U.S. Bank Stadium. So the Vikings are going to go down to New Orleans to open up the preseason. Week one of the preseason will be at the New Orleans Saints. Week two, the Vikings will host the Seattle Seahawks. In week three, the Vikings will host the Arizona Cardinals, and the Vikings will wrap up the preseason by going to play the Buffalo Bills. I know that sounds like a long ways from now, wrapping up the preseason on August 29th, but I guarantee you that starting next week it's going to go fast. Guys are back in town next week for the offseason program. Things are going to get underway, and things are going to go really fast. That is right. So um, we're going to be back next week with another edition of the Wobcast to keep you updated on everything and to continue to preview the NFL draft. So we hope that you join us then. Uh, But for now, we want to thank you for listening to this edition of the Wobcast. My thanks to Chris uh, Corso for co-hosting and producing so well, as he always does. We'll be back next week. Until then, hope you guys have a good rest of the weekend weekend and Skull Vikings.